Good morning and welcome to today's podcast. So today we're looking at Mending Wall by Robert Frost. So this is another poem by Frost where he makes reference to the power of Mother Nature. Um, we'll start by, I'll read through the poem and we will then just kind of discuss what's happening in the poem and then we will kind of break it down and give a more in-depth line-by-line analysis. Mending wall. Something there is that doesn't love a wall, that sends the frozen ground swell under it, and spills the upper boulders in the sun, and makes gaps even two can pass abreast. The work of hunters is another thing. I have come after them and made repair, where they have left not one stone on a stone, but they would have the rabbit out of hiding to please the yelping dogs. The gaps, I mean, No one has seen them made or heard them made. But at spring, mending time, we find them there. I let my neighbour know beyond the hill. And on a day, we meet to walk the line. And set the wall between us once again. We keep the wall between us as we go. To each, the boulders that have fallen to each. And some are lows and some so nearly balls. We have to use a spell to make them balance. Stay where you are until our backs are turned. We wear our fingers rough with handling them. Oh, just another kind of outdoor game. One on a side, it comes to little more. There, where it is, we do not need the wall. Here is all pine and I am an apple orchard. My apple trees will never get across and eat the cones under his pine, I tell him. He only says, good fences make good neighbours. Spring is the mischief in me. And I wonder if I could put a notion in his head. Why do they make good neighbours? Isn't it where there are cows? But here, there are no cows. Before I built a wall, I'd ask to know what I was walling in or walling out. And to whom I was like to give offence. Something there is that doesn't love a wall, that wants it down. I could say elves to him, but it's not elves exactly. And I'd rather he said it for himself. I see him there bringing a stone grasped firmly by the top, in each hand, like an old stone savage darned. He moves in darkness as it seems to me, not of woods only, and the shades of trees. He will not go behind his father's saying, and he likes having thought of it so well. He says again, good fences make good neighbours. Mending Wall is a poem about a slight disagreement between two neighbours. The poet's neighbour represents the point of view that walls are extremely important. Only by respecting society's rules and regulations can people live happily side by side. It is important to the neighbour that the wall between the farm be maintained, even where there are no cows or other animals to wall in or wall out. The speaker is quite critical of his neighbour, He presents the neighbour as a foolish character who is set in his ways and he is annoyed by the fact that the neighbour refuses to think for himself. His only response to the speaker's questioning of the need for the wall is to quote an old proverb, good fences make good neighbours. The speaker feels that his neighbour should learn to think for himself, to question the old sayings and proverbs that have been passed down to him. According to the speaker, to simply accept old sayings as the complete truth is to be in darkness. 
The poem calls for us to move out of this darkness by learning how to think for ourselves, by questioning the traditions, attitudes and beliefs that have been handed down to us by our ancestors. We respect our father's sayings, but we must not be afraid to question and go behind it. The poem also suggests there is something, a mysterious force, that despises walls and causes the ground to swell under them in order that they might topple. As we have seen, the speaker never explains the exact nature of this something that desires the wall's destruction. Elves, in fact, is the closest he gets. Perhaps it is nature itself that does not like the idea of walls and boundaries. The poem suggests that nature resists man's attempt to impose order on its wildness with walls, bridges and boundary lines. So for this next part, I want you to have a copy of the poem in front of you and we're just going to read together through it and we're going to take some notes at, at uh, certain lines, okay? Um, so first uh, note that I want you to take is at line two and three. That sends the frozen ground swell under it and spills the upper boulders in the sun. Okay, so what he's referring to here is the frost and its effect on the wall. So the frost obviously swells the ground um, initially, and then when the sun comes out and it thaws out, the the ground kind of goes back to a smaller size, and this has an effect on the wall. Uh, line four, and makes gaps even two can pass abreast. Okay, so he's just talking about the size of the gaps that appear in the wall. The work of hunters is another thing, okay? So just underline another thing, and this is on line five, and uh, the reason I want you to underline it is because he is stating clearly that it's that the work of hunters is something else which affects the wall, okay? So the first thing that he's talking about is the frost, and I suppose that's nature. Uh, the second thing then is man-made, um, and it's the work of the hunters, okay? So they're two separate things. Um, lines 7, uh, sorry, 8 and 9, um, where they have left not one stone on a stone. So he's talking about the hunters here. Um, but they would have the rabbit out of hiding to please the yelping dog, okay? So if you think of a rabbit... Uh, I suppose it's defenseless and innocent and a yelping dog, um, you know, comes across a lot more uh, intimidating or whatever, okay? So basically what he's trying to get across here is that the hunters, um, like their priority is obviously to hunt the rabbit and they don't, they're, they're going to put their priority of hunting ahead of the, the wall, we'll say, okay? Um just below that then, no one has seen them made or heard them made. So he's talking again about the gaps and he is just kind of floating this idea of the mystery that surrounds the gaps. Like, you know, nobody has actually seen the gaps happening. It's just a case of when they come along, they notice more gaps. So they sort of happen out of sight. So it's, um, it's mysterious. Um, 
we're going to move on down then to the line and on a day we meet to walk the line okay so he's talking about um the neighbor and a particular day when they meet to walk the line and this notion of the line separating them so uh, he's just that's the first time he introduces this idea that there is some kind of separation between him and the neighbor um however that separation comes along with an element of respect we keep the wall between us as we go okay so they you know they respect the fact that um you know he's on one side and the neighbors on the other side and that's you know the walls between them and that's fine okay um further on down then to line 21 we wear our fingers rough with handling them. So he's talking about as they're fixing the wall and um, lifting the boulders, that I suppose just that it's hard work. Their hands become rough with the work that they're doing. Uh, and just below that then, oh, just another kind of outdoor game. Okay, so even though it's hard work, um, you know, he's possibly suggesting here that it's enjoyable work, that it's a game. And further down, we're going to line 28 um, and eat the cones under his pines, I tell him. He only says, good fences make good neighbours. Okay, so these two lines directly show the disagreement between the two neighbours. All right. Um, he's initially making the point that so that they've, they've come to a part of the wall where um, on one side there is uh, an orchard or an apple orchard and on the other side, there is pine trees and the neighbors making the point that we don't really need a wall at this stage because, you know, obviously the my apple trees are not going to eat the cones under his pines. Um, so like, you know, the, the, there's no need, there's no animals at this point, so why would they need a wall? But the neighbor makes the point that good fences make good neighbors. Okay, so he's kind of floating this proverb and you know, he, he's kind of sticking to his guns on the fact that they need a wall. So the rest of the poem then goes on and the, the poet sort of wonders if he can change the neighbor's mind or he starts to question why the neighbor thinks like this. Why do they make good neighbors? Isn't it where there are no cows? Sorry, why do they make good neighbors? Isn't it where there are cows? But here there are no cows. Before, before I built the wall, I'd ask to know what I was walling in or walling out and to whom I was like to give offence. Something there is that doesn't love a wall, that wants it down. I could say elves to him, but it's not elves exactly and I'd rather he said it for himself. So he wants the neighbour to kind of come to the realisation for himself that, you know, they don't need the wall at this part of the field in particular. Um, but the neighbour won't and because he's so set in his ways and these these beliefs that he have that he has has come from his father okay so um, I see him there bringing a stone grasped firmly by the top in each hand like an old stone savaged armed okay so he's talking about like almost prehistoric figures here like you know um, you can imagine a prehistoric man coming along carrying a boulder on the top of his head okay like that's the neighbor is sort of almost insulting his um 
his belief and saying like it's it's so far back in the past and it's unquestioned um why do you follow it so rigidly he moves in darkness as it seems to me okay so like he's blindly led by his father's views okay that's the darkness that he's talking about um he will not go behind his father's sayings and he likes having thought of it so well he says again good fences make good neighbors okay so we're just going to um look even closer now at uh the line by line account so lines 1 to 11 Every year, it seems, gaps appear in the speaker's farm wall. These gaps are caused by the ground under the wall expanding and contracting. A layer of frost causes the ground under the wall to swell or expand. The frozen ground swells under it. When the frost melts in the sun, the ground contracts once more. This process continues throughout the winter and causes the rocks and stones that make up the wall to topple, spills the upper boulders in the sun. As a result, large gaps appear here and there along the wall's length makes gaps even two can pass abreast. Though there seems to be a simple scientific explanation for the appearance of these gaps, the speaker claims there is something, some mysterious force or power that dislikes walls. This peculiar something, we're told, causes the frost to appear under them in order that they might topple. Something that sends the frozen ground swell under it. No one, he says, witnesses these gaps appearing in the wall. No one has seen them made or heard them made. But at spring mending time, we find them there. The speaker is quick to differentiate these mysterious gaps from the ordinary everyday damage caused by the wall by the hunters. Caused to the wall by the hunters. The work of hunters is another thing. The hunters, it seems, vandalise the wall as they and their dogs pursue rabbits across the fields. But they would have the rabbits out of hiding to please the alpine dogs. The speaker has repaired this damage to the wall throughout the winter, fixing the gaps made by the hunters as they occur. I have come after them and made repair. Now that springtime is here, he sets out to repair the other more mysterious gaps that have appeared along the wall. Lines 12 to 22. The wall divides the speaker's property from that of his neighbour. The speaker informs the neighbour that the wall needs fixing. I let my neighbour know beyond the hill. The two meet up and set about fixing the wall. And on a day we meet to walk the line and set the wall between us once again. The two men approach this difficult task together. We wear our fingers rough with handling them. The work, however, is presented as almost enjoyable. The speaker describes it as just another outdoor game. Yet, though the men work as a team, neither crosses on to the other's property. Instead, they keep the wall between us as we go. It is important to the neighbour, it seems, that they respect the boundaries that divide their farms, and they are both careful to remain on their own side of the wall as they make their repairs. To each, the boulders have fallen to each, one on a side. Lines 23 to 38. The speaker and his neighbour come to a section of farmland where there are no animals, only trees. On one side the speaker has his apple trees, on the other side the neighbour has his pine trees. There where it is we do not need the wall, 
he is all pine and I am apple orchard. The speaker suggests to the neighbour that the, this priority of the wall is unnecessary. The speaker suggests to the neighbour that this portion of the wall is unnecessary. There are no animals to wander across into the other's land and cause trouble between the two farmers. My apple trees will never get across and eat the cones under his pines, I tell him. The neighbour, however, insists on rebuilding the wall, even where it serves no practical purpose. He quotes an old proverb, good fences make good neighbours. But the speaker isn't fully convinced by this and questions its wisdom. Why do they make good neighbours? It seems extremely foolish to him to waste time building a wall that serves no practical purpose. Isn't it where there are cows? But here there are no cows. He tells the neighbour that he just can't see the point of maintaining a wall where there are no animals to contain. Before I built a wall, I'd ask to know what I was walling in or walling out. Then the speaker starts talking about the mysterious force he mentioned at the beginning of the poem, the strange and invisible something that hates walls and causes the frost to swell under them so that they topple. This dark power, the speaker suggests, is somehow offended by the existence of walls and to whom I was like to give offence. It is determined, he tells the neighbour, to tear the walls apart. Something there is that doesn't love a wall, that wants it down. To an extent, these mysterious powers remind the speaker of mischievous elves. I could say elves to him, but it's not elves exactly. The speaker wants the neighbour to acknowledge the existence of this strange phenomenon, this something that doesn't love a wall. Lines 39 to 45. The neighbour, however, will not consider the speaker's objections to building a wall where it seems pointless to do so, where there are no animals to wall in or wall out, nor will he admit the existence of the mysterious, almost supernatural force that are so concerns the speaker. He answers the speaker's objections by quoting once again the old proverb handed down to him by his father. He says again, good fences make good neighbours. The speaker seems annoyed by the neighbour's reaction to his objections. He describes him as a caveman from the Stone Age. I see him there, bringing a stone grasped firmly at the top, in each hand like an old stone savaged armed. In these final lines, the neighbour is presented as a foolish person, someone who relies on the wisdom of old proverbs because he is incapable of thinking for himself. He will not go beyond his father's saying, According to the speaker, the neighbour is trapped in darkness. He moves not only in the physical darkness of the woods where they are working, but also in a kind of mental darkness. He moves in darkness as it seems to me, not of woods only and the shades of trees. This mental darkness is caused by the failure to question the wisdom of the old proverb, by his failure to even attempt to think for himself. So that's the podcast for today. I'll be sending out one exam question on this poem and I'm going to give you until four o'clock tomorrow to complete that. So it needs to be back to me before 4pm on Wednesday. Then on Thursday, we're going to be looking at Robert Frost's third poem, Out Out. And um, we will hopefully spend Thursday and Friday doing that and that will be us finished with Robert Frost for this week. 
Okay, so that's all for today and we'll talk to you tomorrow.